Well, it's good to see you this morning, and welcome to Fairdale Christian. And man, there's a lot that we ought to be celebrating today. And you know, we just had a big, big weekend, and we had a Friday night. We had a concert that was right here in this room, a Celebrate Recovery concert, Night of Hope. And uh, man, this place was rocking. It was just an incredible experience. And just thank you guys so much for your generosity. Those of you that came out, glad you were able to take part in that. And uh, just so, so excited about how God is continuing to use that ministry uh, to, to really change lives for a lot of people. And then yesterday, if you were here on, on the campus, man, we had uh, over 100 cars and, and bikes that were here for the car show. And, and I was really impressed. I mean, some beautiful cars. And so it was, they asked me to do a pastor's choice. And I was looking at all the different cars. I'm like, I don't know what I'm looking at, but they all look good to me. But uh, man, just a really, really cool day and appreciate everybody coming out to that. And then uh, today, now, if you're a, if you're a motorcycle person, we really want to invite you to come out with us today. Right after the second service, we're going to go on a, on a really cool run and get some food and some different stuff. So if you want to grab your bike, we're going to leave after the second service. And we're actually going to leave from uh, first string. So if you, uh, if you want to grab your bike after this service and, and meet us there, we're going to leave probably around 12, 1230. We'll be leaving and heading out. But we'd love to have you join us for that. Those of you that aren't motorcycle people, I'm sorry that you're so lame. But... <laughs> We're going to have fun anyway. Hey, also, one more announcement that I, I have to make is uh, October 17th. Be sure to mark your calendars for this. Is our next kid venture. Those of you with kids, grandkids, this is a, a great day for the whole family to kind of come together. There'll be a lot of great activities and, and some fun for the kids, but also some, some great learning stuff. And so we we'll hope that you'll make plans. You'll hear more about that as it gets a little bit closer. But October 17th, just jot that down in your calendar and uh, plan to be here. Now, we were in this series, Accidental Pharisees. I, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I hope you're enjoying it. And so far to this point, we have talked about some of these, some of these things that we can slide into if we're not careful. Like overzealous, this kind of this unaligned passion. You've seen people that just, have you ever seen like a Christian, you're just like, man, they're just like a crazy Christian. They're just like out there. And I was driving the other day just around town and I stopped at a stoplight, and there was a guy with a big, huge sign that said like, something like, you're going to hell, and he had a bullhorn, and he's screaming at me through my car, and my, my, my windows are rolled up, and I kind of looked like that, and he's like, you, you, you're going to hell, and I was like, man, this guy, like, he's either got me pegged, or I don't know, he doesn't know me, I don't know what's going on here, but it's like, that, this, what is this weird, overzealous, and it, it takes this weird left turn into some pharisaical stuff. Uh, you know, we also talked about uh, pride and the danger of spiritual comparison. If we're going to measure and, and see, well, am I a better Christian than you are? Or legalism, you know, what are the, the things that we add to what God has already said? And we're adding to God's words. That, that never goes anywhere good. And last week, if you were here, we talked about the, the danger of idolizing the past because we all have a little bit of a tendency to look back behind us with rose-colored glasses and we think, well, things used to be better back, back when and now everything's so bad and we don't see what God is up to right now. Well, this week, we're going to talk about unity. And unity feels like something that can be a little bit elusive, especially in our world today. I don't know, there's not too many people that can come together on anything. I mean, to try to get a group of people... You know, more than three 
to agree on one thing is near impossible today. And now, if, if I'm a Christian and you're a Christian, we're, we're one in Christ. We, don't, we, we already have that. We, we don't have to produce it. Uh, it but it's somehow it just keeps slipping away. And we're never going to see eye to eye on everything because we're different, and that's okay. Even the, some of the most committed Christians can look at the same issue and then come away with a different opinion of it. I, I love the story of Wayne Smith. Some of you remember who he was. He was the pastor of Southland Christian Church in Lexington, huge church, you know, great guy, loved people. He, you know, I always remember from his laugh. He had this deep, booming laugh, and he could tell a story. He could tell a joke, and just a, just a really funny guy and, and a great preacher. But uh, he would be the first to admit, and you'd hear him say this pretty often, that he was not a good sermon writer. He didn't really enjoy writing sermons. He didn't write a lot of sermons. In fact, when I was doing my master's work, I was working on my master's degree, and uh, one of my classes, it was a preaching class, and he was invited in as a guest lecturer that day. Which was great because we got to, you know, we're drilling him with questions and asking about a lot of church stuff. And he was, he was so, he was great, wonderful guy. And, uh, and he was talking about, he, he brought a couple copies of his, like three sermons that he had written. And he said, now guys, I haven't written a whole lot of sermons. But here's ones that I have written. And you use them if you want to use them anytime you want. You know, no problem. Just, and he'd talk about that he used to be part of this sermon writing group. Uh, with Bob Russell from Southeast Christian, I think uh, Mark Jones that was been here a couple months ago. He was in that group. A, a group of preachers would get together, you know, every so often, and they they'd all bring in their sermons, and everybody'd share ideas and all that kind of stuff. And Wayne would show up, and he'd say, "Hey, boys!" And he'd just grab everybody's sermon, and say, "Thanks a lot. See you later." But uh, I'll never forget. I'm sitting in the class, and we're talking about this stuff, and uh, my professor. You know, who probably, well, whatever, we'll move on from that. But my professor, he, he says, he said, now, Mr. Smith, I know that you're not encouraging my students to plagiarize now, are you? And he I'll never forget, he said, son, I'm telling them, you get it any way you can. It's, yeah, that, you use it, lose it, whatever you got to do to do it. And, and the professor was just kind of spun up on his head. But I, I heard the story of Wayne Smith one Sunday was preaching the sermon true story he's preaching a sermon at Southland and he's just going along and he made this point and he kind of made this funny face he said huh, well I don't think I agree with that at all <laughs> so my point is even committed Christians we can look at the same issue and have a little bit of a, a difference of opinion there may not be may not always be perfect unity but it's something that we should be striving for. Now, here's a few things that I know are really, really true. We'll see this in Scripture. Is number one is that God loves diversity. You don't have to look very far to see that. You just look at creation. You look at the diversity that exists within the creation, what has been created. And even the diversity that exists within God himself. You know, we, we talk about... The Godhead, you know, God, three persons in one. We don't have a good word for that. It's not a biblical word, but it's kind of a word that we use. It seems to kind of fit the bill, but it's the word Trinity. That you have God the Father, you have God the Son, you have God the Holy Spirit. And, and somehow it's one, but they're three. And it's, it's, we, we don't quite understand that fully. But what we see in there is that God himself is diverse, even but also in perfect unity. In some way that we can't quite completely fathom. 
And when it comes to us, God's people and his church, he loves diversity. You know, it's been said that the most segregated hour in America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And that shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be black churches and white churches and poor churches and rich churches and everything in between, you know, because we're one body. We're one family, the family of God. And I know that God is honored when all of us from every race and every you know, socioeconomic level, and we can come together as diverse as we may be and as differing opinions and backgrounds and perspectives as we may have, that we come together, it's a beautiful thing when we can find unity and God is honored. In Acts 17, the Bible says that from, from one man, God created all the nations throughout the earth, and he decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. And his purpose was for the nations to seek after God. I love this part. And perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. Diversity is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And many of us, when we were kids in Sunday school, you grew up in church like I did. You remember, we sang the song, red and yellow, black and white. All are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And Revelation 7, 9 gives us a small little glimpse of heaven. You think about, you know, what, what is heaven going to be like? I know some churches that think that their church probably is going to be the only, they're the only people going to be in heaven. It's a pretty small view, pretty narrow view. But Revelation 7, the apostle John, he gets a little glimpse. God says, here's, here's what it looks like. And he says, I, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. Heaven's going to be diverse. It's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be awesome. You're, you're going to get to heaven. I, I believe with all my heart that you're going to get to heaven. And you're going to see somebody up there and you're going to think, Huh, well, how did you make it here? And there's going to be people that look at you and they're going to say, Well, who let you in? It's, it's, there's diverse. I, I know that God loves diversity. But another thing is that God loves unity. He loves when his people come together. And that's the thing that feels like we can't get that right now at all. Everybody's so divided. And for us to really have a grasp on what this looks like, we've got to understand what unity is and what it is not. Because unity is not the same thing as tolerance, where it's like, well, I'm right and you're wrong, but I'll just put up with you. That's not unity. And, and this is something that the Pharisees struggled with, too, is that unity is not the same as uniformity. And this is what the Pharisees really thought, is that if you're going to follow God, you've got to look like us, you've got to talk like us, you've got to be like us, and this is the way it is. And if you don't look like this and talk like this and do these things, then you're not, you're not really part of the club. And, and this is what we think that when we appear to be somewhat spiritual and we appear to be the right kind of people who maybe say the right kind of things, that maybe that's, is that unity? Is that what we're supposed to be as we all kind of put on the T-shirt and wear the wristband and say, yeah, I'm, I'm part of the club? But that's not unity. Unity means being of the same opinion. It's, it's, uh, it, it doesn't mean being in the same room. It means being on the same page. 
We're, we're on the same page together. Paul wrote in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10. He said, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. It means we're all together. We're all on the same page. We're all Team Jesus here. This is where we're going together. Biblical unity looks a lot like, hopefully, what it looks like in your family. You know, in our family, whenever we are going anywhere together, you know, where we go and we're, when we're together, we're all loaded up in the car uh, immediately. My three kids, and I'm sure a lot of you feel my pain, but we we'll pull out of the driveway and the fights begin. You know, you're touching me. Stop touching me. Your breath stinks. Why are you doing this? Why didn't you, did you take a shower today? Get off me. What's he doing? He's looking at me. He's poking me. I mean, just, it's like you just, they just want to kill each other sometimes. They really, my, I believe my kids, they would kill each other if I wouldn't beat them for it. You know, I mean, it's something about that. They just, they just sometimes just can't stand each other. But it doesn't matter because they're stuck with each other. They're united by birth, not by choice. And in the same way, if I'm saved and you're saved, then, then we're family. And we're in the family of God. And it doesn't matter if we don't like each other. Uh, we're going to have to work through that. If we disagree on something, we're stuck with each other. And so we better learn how to get along because we're united by Jesus, not by choice. He's called us to be part of his family. Larry Osborne writes in that book, Accidental Pharisees, he says, Uniformity, we're all trying to look alike. That's not what Jesus died for. He didn't come to break down the dividing walls that separated Jews and Gentiles, slave and free women and men, so that we could coalesce around a boring, blended, homogenous middle. Quite the contrary. He came to save us in our differences, not from them. How do we find unity? How, how can we be on the same page it takes dialogue and discussion and a lot of listening, a lot of, of, of reasoning together to get to unity. And you know that in marriage. You know, if you're going to have unity in your marriage, it's, it begins with learning how to listen. Let me hear you out. Let, help, me, help me understand where you're coming from, right? And even, if, even at, at the end of it, I don't totally agree with you. I'm going to love you through it anyway. But that's, that's how we find that. That's how family works. It's true. Those things are true at work, at school. I mean, in sports, we, we're in this thing together. We, we got to have the meeting of the minds so that we can come together and, and find that unity. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, How wonderful it is, how pleasant for God's people to live together in harmony thought about having John sing a James Taylor song right there. That would have been good, you know. How sweet it is to be loved by you. Something like that. I don't know. But how, how good it is, how wonderful, how pleasant for God's people to live together in harmony. I, I heard my, my friend George Ross say one time, and I, and I love this. He said the, the heads have to match up before the hands can join. We've got to be on the same page. But here, here's the problem. This is where that accidental Pharisee thing comes in. Is that they love to draw lines. You know, are you on this side or are you on that side? Are you, are you with me or are you not with me? 
are we are we on the same page? Because if 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 you're not if you're if you you know when nitpicking some little minor thing, well, if you don't think the way that I think, then we can't be friends. You know, you're not part of me, and this is who we are, and this is who you are, and we're way up here, and you're way over there, and there's this distance. I told you a few weeks ago the the name Pharisee means separated one. I'd like to keep a little distance, you know, until I make sure that you look like me and you think the way that I think and you talk the way that I talk. But that's not what God's desire is for us. It's definitely not what his desire is for his church. This is what Jesus prayed for. You think, okay, if Jesus were to, to give us instructions or if he's, if he's praying to God the Father and asking God to, to move us, what would he say? You just like to overhear Jesus' prayer for the church. What would he pray for us if he could pray anything? Here's what he prayed in, in John 17. He says, I'm in them and you're in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Let's just pause right there. Let's leave that slide up for a second because I don't want us to miss the incredible power of what Jesus just said. He's praying to the Father. And I want, I want my church, my followers, to be unified perfectly because that's going to be the litmus test. That's how the world's going to know that they're the real deal and that, that I came and that I am who I said I am. But then he, he says, I, I want something else to help them to know, help my church to know that you love them as much as you love me. It's one of those wow moments. Uh, you think about that for a second. He's saying that God the Father loves you as much as he loves the Son. That's a pretty big deal. That's why unity is such a big deal. It's not that we just check our brains at the door and say, well, you know, whatever, anything goes. Jesus, Jesus had some very sharp disagreements with the Pharisees. Uh, and the Apostle Paul ripped on uh, several groups of people, but one in particular was this group called the Judaizers. And they're kind of like, they had this mixture of belief, and, and they kind of had some old school thoughts. But one of them was they made a, this group made such a huge deal out of circumcision. They said, you cannot be saved. You will not go to heaven if you're not circumcised. And Paul keeps trying to reason with them. Like, guys, come on, you're not getting this. Hey, come on, you're, you're just not getting the memo. And, and he, he finally kind of loses his temper. And in Galatians 5.12, Paul writes one of my absolute favorite verses in the whole Bible. I'm going to give you your next memory verse. Galatians 5.12, write this down. He says, I wish that everyone who's upsetting you would not only get circumcised, but would cut off much more. That is in the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. You're welcome. I got I gifts, man. I bring you gifts every week. I, but <laughs> I get to say it if it's in the Bible. You know, it's fun. It's great. But the, but the thing is, when Paul is getting, when Paul is hammering on these, this group and Jesus is railing against the Pharisees, those were issues on salvation. That's what that was. The reason they were in such disagreement, they weren't, they weren't over fine little details that don't amount to a hill of beans. These people were putting barriers in place uh, from people being saved. They're throwing roadblocks. And most of the disputes you hear in churches today, they're not about these major kind of issues. 
Or, you know, it's not about some, can this person be saved? Can that person be saved? What about this? It's always about, it's, it's majoring in minors. Because the church has had a long history of eating its own. And the key to unity is not to, we can't pedestalize anybody but Christ. We cannot look at any preacher, teacher, church leader, somebody we watch on TV, radio, whoever. We cannot pedestalize anybody but Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about the guy down the street. It's only about Christ and God's people. We have to have a good handle on who he is, on who God is. And diversity is a great thing. Unity is a great thing. But there's, there's one more thing that I think we all know, and that's that unity doesn't come easy. It's not, if, if it were easy, we, we'd all be doing it, right? But even, even Jesus had trouble with his disciples getting them on the same page. And, and they would, they, it seemed like maybe they were there and then something else would happen and they'd get suspicious of each other. They'd say, well, Jesus, who's going to sit on your right hand and who's going to sit on your left? And then they'd start worrying about things that they weren't supposed to worry about or they would just get way out ahead of him. And, and, and when, when, unity, when, when unity is hard, we can know that we're in good company. I knew a guy that served at a church. I heard this story years ago. True story. A guy that served at a church, and uh, he, was, he was preaching there. And this church is, you know, 100 years old or so. They've been around a long time. And every Sunday, they did this little thing. that He, he couldn't figure out why they, why they did this. But they had, at the front of the stage, they had a communion table. And so they'd sit their communion elements on there. And they had this old, stained, white cloth that they laid over that really looked terrible and ratty and old. And it was just nasty looking. But they laid that over top the communion. And, he, and then every Sunday before communion time, the deacons or whoever would come up and they'd do this thing where they folded the cloth and take time. It was like this little ceremony type thing before they'd pass communion. And the pastor, he asked some of the leaders, why do we, why do, we do that? Can we, can we stop doing the cloth thing? Like, I don't, I don't know why we're doing that. And they're like, no, 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 we, we have to do that. We have to keep doing that because that's part of who we are. We've been doing that forever. And he's like, well, I just don't understand. And it seemed like there was this group that was like, yeah, we love the cloth. And then this other group is like, this is weird. Why do we do this? Can we stop? And it's kind of like, we, and so he was asking his leaders, he's like, like, where did this even come from? Why do we... Why did we do this? And nobody had any idea. So they're like asking around, like, what's the deal with the cloth? And they're like, I don't know. We've been doing it as long as I've been here. Well, finally, they went to like the oldest member of the congregation. had been there forever since, you know, Noah, Noah landed on the ark. And this, they asked this person, they said, hey, do you know anything about the cloth deal on the communion? Why do we do that? And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. So well, back in the day, we didn't have air conditioning in the church. And so summertime, it'd get real hot. So we'd open the windows, and flies would get in, and they'd land on the communion. So we put that cloth over top to keep flies out. See, yeah, I don't know why we still do the cloth thing. It doesn't really make any sense, does it? I don't know. It just stuck, I guess. And they quit doing the cloth thing right after that. Like, you know, this is stupid. We're going to give this up. <laughs> we, it's, it doesn't take very long for things to become sacred. And we can have disunity over things like that really, really, really quickly. One day, listen to, the, listen to this little verse, okay? This is, this is a hard one for us to wrap our minds around. But one day, Jesus' disciples came to him. 
And they said in Luke chapter 9, John said to Jesus, he said, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he isn't in our group. That sounds like some churches that I know. That sounds like some Christians that I know. Sounds like me at one time and some things that I still try to grow through and overcome. But what do we do about this? Jesus, hey, they're doing some stuff and they're doing it in your name, but that's not right because they're not part of our group. They're not part of us. And so this is not right, right? So we told him to stop. But Jesus said, don't stop him. Don't stop him. Anyone who is not against you is for you. Man, that verse right there will trip you up. What? Just, just pause for a minute. What is Jesus saying? Anyone who's not against you is for you. I hear a lot of people like, oh man, these people, they're, they're anti-God, anti-church, anti-this, and they're our enemies. I feel like we've got these enemies. Really? Because Jesus says, anyone who's not against you is for you. He has... Christ, he has this amazing ability to unite the most diverse people. Even within his little group of disciples, he's got tax collectors who were considered enemies of the Jews. I mean, they're working for the Roman government, extorting people, hated, I mean, beyond hated. He's got a tax collector, but he's also got these religious zealots, Jews, that these people would have absolutely zero reason to be in the same room together whatsoever without wanting to kill each other. And yet they're both following after Jesus. And I think that was what really confounded the minds of the people of his day. How can Jesus bring these people together in this perfect unity? The world is watching to see if we will live out what we say we believe. It's got to be more than words. It's got to be more than lip service. I heard this line the other day. I thought it was too good not to share. It said, when we come together as God's people, we should never let our lines of distinction become walls of division. We've got lines of distinction. That's okay. We've got different preferences and different opinions, and that's fine because, again, God loves diversity. But we should never allow our lines of distinction to become walls where we're blocking, we're saying, no, you're on that side and I'm on this side, where we're divided. I was thinking this past week, I've got a lot of friends and, that are pastoring churches around in different denominations and different locations, and I, uh, I just took a, you know, took a day this past week and reached out to a bunch of my friends. I said, hey, would you just, would you send me a little video and just let me know what you think about this? And so check this out real quick. Hey, I'm Ben Woods with The Brave Way Home, and we are one body family of God together. Hey, Fairdale Peeps, this is Dave Hamlin from Shelby Christian Church. We're one body, the family of God together. Hi, I'm Frank Donato from New Hope Christian Church here in Marshalltown, Indiana. We are one body, the family of God together. Hey, I'm George from Northside of New Albany, and we are one body, the family of God together. Hi, I'm Jeff Wallace from Hikes Point Christian Church, and we are one body, the family of God, together. Hey, this is Jim Cooper from Indian Hills Christian Church. We are one body, the family of God, 
together. Good morning, Fairdale Christian Church. My name is Josh Green. I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church here in Fairdale, and we are one body, the family of God, together. Hey, I'm Kevin Comp from Southland Christian Church, Georgetown campus, and we are one body, one church, the family of God together. Hey, this is Mark Jones from Nelson Christian Church. We are one church, the family of God, together. I'm Matthew Craig, First Christian Church of Scottsburg, Indiana. And we are one body, the family of God, together. Hi, I'm Pastor Nick Tregler from Mount Holly United Methodist Church. And we are one body, the church, together. Hey, my name is Scott Affield, and I am at Southland Christian Church in Lexington, Kentucky. And I came to Christ when I was 17 years of age at Fairdale Christian Church. I love that place. Uh, we are together, we're the body of Christ, and we're one. I'm Seth Heller from First Christian Church in the Hall of Fame City, Canton, Ohio. And we are one body, family of God, together. Hey, Fairdale Christian Church, this is Pastor William Benito, a Vision of Hope Community Church. And I just wanna let you guys know, we are one body in Christ. Hey, my name is Mike Caphammer over here at Shively Christian Church, and I just want to tell you today that we are one body, the family of God, together. Hi, I'm Randy Beard from the Kenwood Heights Christian Church, and we are one body, the family of God, together. You know, Pharisees are always wanting to put up walls and boundaries. You know, who are we? Who are you? Are we on the same team here? But followers of Jesus, as distinct and diverse as we are, we're always looking to bear with one another in selfless obedience to Christ. It's all about Him. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about this church or that church. It means that we're working out real and deep differences. We're, we're trying, we're working together to get on the same page, whether those are racial differences or socioeconomic differences or, or, or the one that's destroying the unity in the church in America today, even it's political differences. We've got to work through all those things. And we may have deep disagreements, but we've got to work past that, beyond that, because we are the family of God together, one body, united. We've all got differences, but if we aren't able to check those and unite together under the banner of Jesus then what a tragedy. What a tragedy. And anything that destroys our unity in Christ is a threat. The enemy would love nothing more than to invade and to divide and scatter. That's what he does. And Jesus prayed that we would be one so that the world would know that he came, that he offers forgiveness, grace, and salvation, and that God loves us as much as he loves Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the way that you unite us together. Even though we look different and we, we think different and, and, and very often we live different lives. But you bring us together under the banner of Christ. Lord, may we value and treasure that and, and hold that as high as we can. Lord, help us as, as a church all across this community and, and, and the world, may we continue to seek unity uh, as believers and, and come together in every way that we can so that the world would know Jesus, that we are your ambassadors, 
Send us out, Lord. Send us out so that we can tell a lost and hurting world that there's hope. And when they look at us, Lord, may they see, may they see something that's beautiful. I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.